You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Blessed Lord, we give you thanks and praise that we get to gather here to hear your word, receive your precious sacrament, and worship you, the all holy and life giving God. Strengthen and bless us in our understanding of all that you do among us to save us, of your word, that we might transformed, renew our run in our race with vigor. And this we ask in the precious name of him who is our Savior, Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, um, I was just working around the church this week, and a longtime member of the church who's gotten to know me pretty well said, so what's going on this weekend, Pastor? And I said, oh, we got a lot of stuff going on. I said, we've got, we've got you know, our new members coming in. We're celebrating the saints that have gone on before us this year. We're, we're starting our prayer for the persecuted church. It's like, a, it's going to be an amazing Sunday. I said, but I've, I've got to keep my sermon, I think, down to about five to seven minutes. You know, there's a kind of laughter. <laughs> no, I'm not that easily offended. <laughs> you, you got it. <laughs> now someone's going to time me. No, um, but you know, it really, they say brevity is the soul of wit, and and it's it to be able to communicate well and succinctly is a skill that pastors don't often learn. Well, maybe, but not succinctly. So I'm going to endeavor to do that a little bit this morning. Whenever we, Ian, could you give me control on that side there? Thanks, buddy. Um, Whenever we, as Christians, come to worship in a post-Reformation church, could you click on that, uh, the the, um, PowerPoint side, so I can get control of that thing? There you go, thanks. Um, Whenever we worship as Christians in a post-Reformation church, one of the things we should ask ourselves is, why are they doing what they're doing? Why is our worship service, why are we doing this together? Because anything that's done there is for a reason. Especially those things that continued after the Reformation from the medieval church. Everything that we do in worship does one of two things. It either glorifies God by teaching of us of our profound need for Him. Or, it glorifies God by reminding us of His promises and His grace and His saving activity for us. Everything we do in worship does one of these two things. And by the time of Luther, All Saints Day was already a super popular holiday. Okay? Um, All Saints Day was uh, celebrated because there were way more, by the 1500s, way more than 365 recognized saints of the church. 
And if you weren't one of the big ones, you didn't get your own day. But people had their favorite saints that were kind of local saints. You know, Uncle, Uncle Bob over the hill, who had been a particularly holy person, and we all revere him as, as a saint. In fact, he's recognized even as a saint, but not as important as Basil of Caesarea or Gregory the Great, so he doesn't get a special day in the church calendar. Um, same with, you know, great-great-grandma Irma. She, she did amazing things for people. People go to the church where she's buried now on pilgrimage, and, but she, again, doesn't get a special day in the life of the church. So it was really popular to gather all these saints without their own special days up, and you celebrate them all on one day. All Saints Day used to be in March. They moved it back to November. Now that is not the same thing as All Souls Day. See, see all these circles around these people's heads in this medieval picture? That means they were recognized saints of the church. It means they'd gone through the whole process and officially they had been given the title Saint So-and-So. Okay? All Souls Day was for the rest of us. The plebes. The ones who didn't quite get it and didn't put in enough effort. So now, you, know, you, can, you can have November 2nd. Here's the problem. Although this is a super popular holiday and continues to be, here we see modern uh, people in, in just outside of Warsaw celebrating All Saints Day. Uh, they go to the cemetery and light up candles. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, although it continues to be a very popular uh, thing and wasn't in Luther's day, here's what happened. As the Lutheran reformers went back to the sources, ad fontes, as we talked about last week, back to the fountain and source of our Christian faith in the scriptures, here's what they found. In the scriptures, even when St. Paul is tearing a strip off the church in Galatia, when he's laying out the church in Corinth in lavender for their ungodly practices, he still calls them saints. To the saints in Corinth. To the saints in Galatia. What can he possibly mean? I mean, the whole point of the letter is he's telling them how unholy they are. Why would he call them saints? Because afterward, after, after all, the word saint just means holy ones. Well, digging into this and looking at lots of other scriptures, the Reformers came up with a phrase to help communicate what, what was meant by the scriptures in the New Testament when they called us saints, members of the church. Simo justus et peccator. Which, if you don't speak Latin, is simultaneously saint and sinner. Why are we saints? We're saints because God has claimed us. We are saints because God has taken us out of the world, has united us with His Son in holy baptism, and by faith we cling to the promises of what God has done. And so, it's what Luther calls the great exchange, everything that belongs to Christ is now mine. His righteousness, His holiness, His standing before the Father belongs to me. And unfortunately for Jesus, everything that's mine is His. My sin, my ungodliness, my tendency to turn away from the Father and get on my own agenda, that all goes to Jesus and He carries it to the cross for me. That's why we're saints. Why are we sinners? Because we're honest. 
Most people I know don't have to think for more than two or three seconds before they can start confessing their sins. We're sinners because, as St. John said in our New Testament reading today, our second New Testament reading today, what we will be has not yet been revealed. We're sinners because through our own pride, our arrogance, our willfulness, heck, just our short memories and our out-of-control desires, we turn away from the promises of God and back to the sins from which we are being saved. We are, as the book of Proverbs says, like a dog returning to his own vomit. I have a dog. He does that. It's gross. (laughs) We are simultaneously saint and sinner. But more than the New Testament taught them this. As they dug into the lives of those saints who got their stained glass windows and didn't read just their biographies, which after all were written by somebody else, but read their own words and their own testimonies about their spiritual life, they discovered that every one of those people with the stained glass windows given in their honor were deeply aware of their own sinfulness. Were deeply aware that if they did anything good, it was the grace of God working through them and working out into the world. Every saint, no matter how great, had the same prayer prayed at their funeral service Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. And every one of them would have gratefully accepted that prayer. We are not just simultaneously saint and sinner. We are also, oops, I think I lost control again, Ian. There we go. Always saints. And only saints through grace. We are made holy by the Holy One. And while He has claimed us to be His own... We are in the process of growing up into what we were claimed to be. My children have been my children from the moment of their conception. But I keep being amazed every year at how much better they get and how much new stuff God is doing through them and in them. It is the same for all of us children of God who are growing up in Christ. We are saints through His grace. Indeed, Abraham is called the father of faith not because he lived a particularly holy life. I encourage you to open the book of Genesis and find out. He didn't. What he did do was cling to the God who had revealed himself to him and his promises with all his might. And he never worshipped another God. In the scriptures, both in Genesis and later, St. Paul, quoting Genesis, said, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness, that is, holiness. We are always saints through grace. Even our faith is God's gift to us. In this wonderful piece of art here, which at our 8 o'clock service is always up behind the, um, uh, behind the words on Communion Sundays, this is the altarpiece at the church at Ghent. 
And here in the center we see the Lamb who we were just singing about a few minutes ago and who we read about in the book of Revelation. Back here we see those who've gone on before us into glory. The bishops get their own side. They probably paid for the art. These are the martyrs who came before us carrying their palms. Down here is the church on earth. Clergy and laity, businessmen, craftsmen, serfs, dukes, earls, simple monks, exalted priests and bishops. All of us gather around the throne of the Lamb by the same grace. Their Christ is our Christ. His righteousness is our righteousness just as it was theirs. And we are all equal together around His throne, which is why we are all united together around His throne. So this day we remember those who have gone on to be with the Lord in glory as we pray for strength for our own race here on earth. We give thanks to God who has made us the author of so great a salvation. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, you are the great author of our salvation and we are your grateful recipients. Bless us. Keep us in the faith. Help us to entrust to you those who've gone on before us to run our race with diligence and perseverance. To pray earnestly for those who, like those in this painting, are on their way to martyrdom. And may all of us Lord, be gathered around your throne at that wedding feast that has no end. And this we ask in your precious name, which is forever, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life.